0: This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Curtis Jones is an airman in the United States Air Force who is currently deployed to an undisclosed location in Southwest Asia. So why did I interview him? Well, I can't remember exactly how I came across his Instagram, but when I did, something caught my attention. There was a picture of a concrete slab and the caption underneath it said, quote, vision one, the act or power of sensing with the eyes sight Two, the act or power of anticipating that which will or may come to be end quote. Now, if you listen to this podcast, you know we've talked about vision before, and just how much that means to being a successful coach. But Curtis isn't a coach. He's an airman. He's in the Air Force. But he's using his time in Southwest Asia to turn concrete slabs into playable surfaces and organize pickup games for kids. And that is why I interviewed him. Throughout this interview, Curtis shares stories about the process of going from idea to execution and exactly how the hell he pulled this thing off. And after you listen to this, if you want to connect with Curtis and learn more about the PASS project, you can follow him on Instagram or you can email him. And I've made both of those links available on 343coaching.com. And while you're there, you can find all of the benefits of becoming a 343 Premium Member, the program that actually funds this podcast, which is an online coaching course for serious practitioners looking to take their teams to the next level. You can also find our free coaching program that helps you get to know us a little bit better and what we do and what we're all about. And that's usually a good place for people to start if you are unfamiliar with with what we have been up to for quite a while. But with either program, you get a look at What went into the making of one of this country's best youth teams over the last decade. And you get to see exactly what helped players transition from the youth game to the professional game at the ages of 15, 16, 17 years old, which is quite remarkable. You get to watch it all unfold in real time. And there is much, much more to come. So now is actually an exciting time to jump on board and get a glimpse of what's been happening because there's some fun stuff happening at the moment. Uh, So you can find all of that and more by visiting 343coaching.com. And that's the numbers, 343coaching, all spelled out, .com. And one more thing I wanted to mention too that Curtis talks about uh, towards the end of this interview. It's that soccer or football or whatever you want to call it is more than a game. So not only did his comment about vision catch my attention, but this idea that it's more than a game really resonated with me and that's what 343 is all about and so i couldn't have been happier to bring curtis jones on the show so i hope that you enjoy this episode with curtis let's uh let's jump into it then let's uh let's start with let's start with who you are and and what you do and, and maybe you can tell people uh why you are in the place that you're in without telling people the place that you're in as confusing as that yeah. sounds <laughs> yeah
1: yeah definitely i'm getting used to that it's getting easier it's the longer i'm here <laughs> <laughs>
0: um
1: so yeah um uh, i'm curtis jones i'm originally a cincinnati native um Long time soccer guy uh, in that area. Um, played college soccer at a small school, like right outside Cincinnati. Um, and then I ended up joining the military and um, got deployed in January out here. It's a undisclosed location, so technically Southwest Asia, or, um, yeah, Southwest Asia, which is really the Middle East, as far as anybody else would be concerned. That's pretty much what uh, the idea. I try to give people. Just I'm out exactly what you see on TV, <laughs> that region of the world, that's that's where I am. Um, and when I got here, I kind of, I had the idea, like a very loose idea that I wanted to try to use my time out here to start something, but I wasn't really sure exactly where I wanted to go with it. Um, and then I kinda, it was really random, actually. I had to make an airport run with a co-worker uh, to pick up one of our inbound personnel. And when we went down there, there were these kids playing soccer and their ball was just like just totally beat and they're I mean they're playing like pretty much in trash and uh I don't even know if I was really supposed to talk to him or not but I, I just kind of like went over and like pointed at my feet and uh this kid like tossed the ball to me and I juggled a few times and kicked it back and they were just kind of like one why is there this just like white American guy down here in the <laughs> first place and two how does he actually know the game that we know you know like it totally caught him off guard and uh and then on the ride home, I, it like it really kind of hit me. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to bring soccer to these kids out here because most most people in the region are severely underprivileged. Um, they don't have near the resources that even our lowest uh, our lowest income citizens would have um, in the U.S. So, um, so it started from there, and I kind of I decided uh, I wanted to collect new or used soccer gear and then also personal hygiene items because a lot of that stuff is pretty hard to come by out here. Um, so, uh, so those were the two things I was working on at first and just started cold calling and emailing companies and people that I knew and old teammates and old coaches and just kind of let it snowball from there. And this is my first time ever doing anything like this. So it really just kind of was like trial by fire, just try to see what works and what gets people's attention. And then, um, as this thing progressed, I met some people out here that deal with some other community involvement projects, and so they put me in touch with a guy who um, made contact with the school here, um, just right outside my installation, and they were willing to let me work with the kids. Luckily, I, I kind of it was a really a long shot. I, I didn't have high expectations for it, but they uh, cleared me to spend like one one day a week uh, with the kids. I'd go out for like an hour and it's really just kind of pick up, um, nothing too structured or serious, but, uh, show up out there, give some balls out to the kids, play some pickup. And I noticed there was a big empty court space there at the school that was pretty much unused. It was just covered in trash and grass growing out of the concrete and everything. And I asked if we could clean it up and turn it into a court. And I think they were a little bit skeptical at first, but they said, go for it. And, uh, and so now here I am like four months later and we've got a, a playable, sustainable court with lines and permanent goals, and I think we've handed out with. Um, I've paired up with a few pretty good companies, um, organizations that have helped me out, and uh, so with Park Social Soccer Company, they're out of Australia, and the Iraqi Soccer Project, another guy who I've become pretty good friends with. He's also deployed out here, but in Iraq, obviously. Um, between those two, I think we've we've uh, went through we've went through over 600 soccer balls. Um, across probably two or two or three countries, I guess, um, in the region. So it's been awesome.
0: That, that is awesome, man. I, there's two moments that I, I kind of want to know more about. And, and the first moment is, I think that it was your first moment actually of engaging with some of the local kids and, and seeing the ball at their feet and and wanting to kind of get involved with them. And you mentioned that you don't, you, you weren't sure if you were even allowed to do that. And so I'm, I'm really curious if if you can kind of maybe provide a little bit more insider context into into that first initial contact that you had with, with the local kids and and the, and the soccer ball.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So (laughs) I hadn't been here very long at the time. So I was kind of like, I was, you know, I was a little, weird of like what the rules of engagement were as far as, um, you know, like talking to the locals and stuff. I I didn't really know like what I could or couldn't do and where I'm at for just for a reference point. Um, it's not like I'm anywhere super, super dangerous. Um, we, uh, I'm in medical, I work in medical. So on occasion we, we, uh, travel with patient transport, like, um, to some of the bigger clinics and more capable medical facilities. So there's times where I'm off the installation, um, you know, in civilian clothes and it's not like it's, it's not like I'm in uh somewhere, some super dangerous location, but, um, so where I was at was just a normal civilian area, uh, civilian locals. And I didn't even, I, I guess I wasn't really sure how they were either, even, even going to, you know, receive me trying to make contact with them, but they were super welcoming and, and most people are, I found out. Um, and, uh, luckily I didn't break any rules or piss anybody off, but, uh, <laughs>
0: How, how yeah, old were the, the kids, how How old were the kids?
1: They were probably like ten or twelve.
0: And were they? I mean, were they just out there like on a street corner kicking the ball around? Yeah, or were they, they in were jerseys or out, practicing yeah. or?
1: No, they were just two kids, like literally, like on the street corner. And no joke, it was it was there was just a giant pile of trash. They were just standing, I mean, like knee high, just trash. And there these two kids are just hanging out, playing with their just this junky ball, and uh yeah and they gave me a couple touches, and then they kind of just looked excited and smiled and they rambled off something I didn't understand and <laughs> just like kind of ran away and uh and that was it It was pretty funny.
0: I'm curious' and how often, I were with. Uh, i'm I'm curious yes, how sorry. often you uh you encounter you know kids that are just kind of cruising the streets with a soccer ball or or other pickup games other than your own and I want to talk more specifically about your your guys's games but how how is like the soccer culture there?
1: It's definitely, you can tell it's definitely, um, there's definitely a thriving soccer culture. It's just the resources aren't there to back it up. Um, every, just about everywhere you go, if you keep an eye out, you'll see, you'll see a futsal court or, um, or a full field and it may not be in the greatest condition, but you'll, you'll see it just about everywhere. And, uh, and I actually, I got into the habit of anytime I had to go on like a patient travel trip or if there was ever an opportunity to get off the installation, I would always have balls with me and just like, because you never know when you're going to see these kids on the street. So I'd be like, Hey, you guys like football? And then of course they all light up and are usually kind of confused. And then, and then I just kind of like, well, here you go. And we'll get a couple touches in if I can, or if not, sometimes you just got to kind of hand it out the window and, and leave. But uh, so yeah, I've been, I've been trying to, use that kind of like gorilla tactic where I'll just kind of pop up here and there and be like, Oh, there's kids playing grab a ball and I'll have whoever (laughs) I'm riding with, like toss the ball out of the back of the van and I'll grab it and go say hi and kind of high five them and give them a ball. And then we leave. But, um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of pickup. Um, But as far as like structured uh, club teams or even rec teams, it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of that. Um, But there's definitely pickup about just about everywhere. It seems.
0: And, I had an interesting interview with uh, Hugo Perez's son. I don't know if you're familiar with Hugo Perez. He's a former US men's national team player from the 90s. Yep. Um, but when he was pursuing a professional career, he, he ended up all over the place in in Europe and and then he ended up in Saudi Arabia as well. And so his son shared a story with me recently about how, you know, they were kind of just restricted to a compound while while they were there unless they got to go out to watch training sessions or uh yeah. kind of do some other activities and he mentioned that inside the compound that there was a, a full field but the full field was concrete so it wasn't grass and i know just because i've seen the pictures of, of the field that you guys have kind of developed um I, I know that that that's also concrete so i'm curious uh if if that's common in in your area and, and how how do you think that that kind of affects the way that the the pickup games are, are played or is it just i mean the kids are they don't know if it, that other options are out there, or it's just like what they have. I'm just, I'm really fascinated by this, like uh, um, concrete <laughs> jungle, I guess, what you called it, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it seems to be. There's, um, it's pretty, uh, pretty brown and dusty out here. There's not a whole lot of grass anywhere. So, I think, um, in some like downtown areas where there's a little bit more money, there's, um, some turf fields and stuff like that. But, um, for the most part, almost everything is like concrete or gravel. We actually have a, a field here that's on the installation that doesn't get used too much, but it's actually gravel and the lines are just, it's lined in lime, lime, like dust. (laughs) And, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. Uh, I'd be a little nervous to play on it, but, um, but yeah, most of it is concrete. And I think you can tell like. A lot of the kids, that's what they grow up on, and that's all they know. Because you can – I think it's evident in their style of play, like uh, really quick footwork. Um, they're definitely like gritty physical players because, I mean, you play long enough on paved surface, you're going to go down once or twice. So you can tell like they uh, they, they definitely play a physical game, and they – it seems like um, it's a lot more just like uh, that, that finesse, like quick footwork.
0: Yeah. So tell me, tell me a little bit about like how you guys structure your, your pickup games. Cause I think you mentioned that you get about one hour per week with these kids. And so I'm, I'm really curious if that hour is like super formal, like you guys have teams and jerseys, or if it's literally just like, Hey, everybody meet here at noon, for instance. And, and, you know, we're just going to pick teams and go.
1: Yeah, so we actually, we have a um, a liaison here, like our host nation liaison that deals with the school. um, Because like I'd mentioned, there are some other community involvement um, groups here that where people have done, um, like for example, they they painted um, some murals at the school uh, for the kindergarten class, stuff like that. Um, So uh, essentially I just get in contact with our liaison here and he reaches out to the host nation liaison. And they'll set something up, uh just whatever works best with the kids' schedules. And he'll just kinda spread the word and be like, hey, they're gonna be here to play, might get some free stuff, come hang out. <laughs> and that's that's pretty much how it works. And uh um no jerseys or anything. We just we pretty much show up. Um and by now now it's to the point where a lot of them kinda know who I am. Uh so they all come up, everybody's you know, high fiving me, making me feel kinda important. It's a nice little ego boost. Uh, <laughs> from the kids and then uh and then we just kind of i usually just let them some of the older kids will usually split up teams and and we'll just play it's pretty pretty informal um pretty laid back and uh and then usually whatever no matter what the score is <laughs> when it's time to leave it's always next goal wins <laughs> and uh and then that's
0: it did you so did you time. institute that or did they already kind of have that uh that next goal wins mentality to end their games?
1: Uh, I, I think they did, but I mentioned it. I, I remember mentioning it and they were like, next goal wins. Some of them speak pretty decent English. Um, and, uh, and they got super excited about it and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah next goal wins, next goal wins. So then, so then from there that kind of, that became like the standard.
0: <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. Um, I'm curious what, what type of numbers you guys get out there as well, because the court that you guys have that I've seen a picture of is not, I mean, it's not humongous, but no. I, can ima- I, I can imagine that you guys might get that thing jam packed every now and again.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh so the courts, um, ninety by fifty five. Uh, that whole area is probably like one twenty by eighty. Um, and there'll be there's usually like some of the older like local guys. They'll just kind of be like sitting on the side watching us, just hanging out. And there'll be a lot of like younger kids that um, are just you know like kindergartners and stuff that they'll be kind of doing their own thing, like playing off, off to the side or whatever. And then there's usually probably 20 or 30, um, kids, I'd say probably between like fourth and sixth grade, probably fourth, fifth, sixth grade age kids. And, uh, and we just kind of make it, make it work, uh, the best we can. I try, I try not to dictate too much. Cause I just kind of want everybody to be able to have an opportunity to play and have fun. And, you know, it's like a special treat for them too. It's like, You know, it's not every day that this random uh, foreigner just shows up and builds you a court and wants to play with you. (laughs) So I try to make it work as best as possible. But usually I'd say anywhere from 15 to 20 kids. But the the very first couple times that we came out there, there was like 40 kids out there, and it was nuts. It was pretty chaotic.
0: (laughs) Why do you think the numbers – I don't want to say declined, but you know, kind of leveled out like 15 to 20. What, what happened to the, to the other, to the other groups?
1: Well, I think a lot of it was the first couple times there was, you know, cause it's just like anywhere else that like soccer is definitely a uh, number one, but not everyone plays. Uh, some kids just would come to watch. So I think the first couple times it was like a lot of the talk that like, Hey, there's this American that's going to come and give you some free stuff. And, and he's going to build this court. So they would just kind of come and hang around and see what was going on. Um, But now it's gotten, it's to the point where it's like the kind of like the core group of kids who actually do play, come out and play quite a bit. Um, And where I'm at, it's a really small town. It would be the equivalent of a, you know, like a pretty rural small town back in the States. Um, So for the number, the number of kids that come out here, it's really probably about all of them that are in in the little (laughs) town that where I'm at.
0: That's so funny that you mentioned that because I I think if I remember right in the order of the interviews that these interviews are gonna go out, uh the last interview that went out is with a coach who is from a very rural community in California and in, in the city that or the town or village, I guess you could say, that he operates out of is only fifteen hundred people and they service the oh, yeah. a, a greater area that's like six, like probably sixty miles. And in that sixty miles, the total population is probably you know between five and seven thousand people. So the programs wow. that they that they operate, yeah, like they're they're getting you know the max amount of kids that they possibly can, and that they run a pickup program as well. That I think the other day when I was there, there's probably like eh, between ten and fifteen kids that showed up, which for their population is you know amazing. So that's yeah. that's pretty cool that you mentioned that too.
1: Yeah, and I think that was really a, probably a lot of the reason that I wanted to start this thing too um maybe i didn't realize it at first but where i'm from right outside of cincinnati um it's kind of just outside of that suburban area so when i was growing up it was pretty small town and uh they're actually the closest club was probably like 45 minutes away and i can remember always wanting to play and being you know probably like good enough to play on the club teams and i I knew some kids i'd play indoor here and there and and play with some club kids and i think once i got older i was kind of like one of those things where at some point I probably wanted to figure out a way to make sure that everybody had access to the game, regardless of, you know, what your financial standing was or what your, what your geographical, you know, situation was, because um, you never know who's going to be that next, that next big thing or, or, you know, you never know who's, I mean, sports, sports changes people's lives and you never know who you're going to, have a just truly profound effect on, and so I think when I got out here, that was like part of it. I, I think I was glad to be in such a small rural area and 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 uh, and have a smaller scope of kids to like really try to impact.
0: You you kind of just mentioned you know some some of the reasons why uh, you know this this project was kind of like in the back of your mind or, or kind of maybe what shaped it. But what do you think the the biggest benefits either? Well, let's, let's separate this into two questions. What have been the biggest benefits for you so far since starting this program? And what do you think the biggest benefits for the community have been? And you can take those in questions and run with them however you want.
1: I think for me, the biggest benefit, um, has just been, uh, I guess, knowing that, I, that, I, that I was capable of starting this thing and it actually worked. Um, I'd always wanted to find a way, um, to use the game to make a difference. Um, as I transitioned from from college and playing, you know, a little less and a little less, I still I still play quite a bit, but kind of transi- transitioned more into that coach role. I, I always wanted to, to figure out a way to make a difference in kind of a unique way. And so this is kind of like gave me the affirmation, like, wow, I can actually uh, – I came out here with just this idea, this loose collection of ideas, and now it's this tangible thing and I'm leaving a mark. Um, so that's been like, you know, it's a, it makes you feel good to know that you, you're, you're, you had an idea and it worked and you're making a difference for, for people. Um, and for them, I think it's just probably the biggest impact is just, uh, probably knowing that, that people care, that people are willing to go out of their way to, to help you and do something for you. Um, cause I'm sure in a lot of regions like this, there's not a lot of outside contact and there's there's not a lot there's definitely not a lot of financial support um and i've seen i've seen a lot of the the local guys like here and there um i assume are probably parents of some of the kids that have they'll come up and you know shake my hand and be like oh we just we love what you're doing and you know it's not always the best uh it's a pretty broken english but they're basically uh come up and just tell me how thankful they are that i that i put the effort into this project um so I think just, just the fact that I can give them that memory of, of, you know, this guy who showed up and, and did something for us and, and didn't have to, I guess.
0: What about the guys in the, that you've been deployed with, what, what's their reaction or how they've, how have they received the, the program and the attention that it's gotten?
1: Um, it's been awesome. So we actually, we have a, there's a, a German and a Dutch camp, um, like attached to our installation, And of course they have a turf field over there. Like we have like a (laughs) nice gym and basketball court and all this stuff. And then they have like a super nice, like five a side turf field. So, uh, so all, all the service members that anyone that plays, like we get together and we actually play pickup out there. And, um, as the word is kind of spread about it out there, they, um, They've all been you know super supportive and which is where I've gotten a lot of my help as far as painting the court and assembling the goals and all that stuff and inventorying donated goods. Everybody's just like, man, that's so awesome! I, I that's amazing that you thought of that. Like, we'd love to help. So, and same thing with my coworkers. Um, my coworkers have been great. They've jumped right in and helped me out anytime I've needed it. And so it's been it's been awesome.
0: Tell me about the pickup games that you guys play with uh with the other guys on on the five-a-side field because i'm curious if there's like any difference in in the nations or how you guys mix up teams with that
1: so when we first uh we first got out there um we we had gotten pretty tight with a group of uh dutch guys and uh and they were awesome they were just super friendly super welcoming we started playing with them like three nights a week and then um their rotation their, their deployment they were on their way out um So they, they kind of put us in contact with incoming rotation. And, uh, so we, we had, we had an in with them right away. And so they kind of knew like, Oh, there's this group of Americans that play and, you know, probably just were kind of, we're like, yeah, whatever. They're probably not that great, but uh, we got, we got (laughs) really lucky. There's a handful of us that all had played in college at one point or another. And, uh, and so we have a pretty solid team and, uh, so you could kind of see them like start to respect us a little bit more when they realize we actually knew what we were doing, and then uh, then there's the Germans too. So the Germans and Dutch have their nice little rivalry. It's always fun to watch them play and when they uh, if the teams aren't mixed up and they play play by nation. It's always fun watching the Dutch and the Germans go at it. Um, and then for us, there's always pride because we just don't want to go out there and get smoked by anybody. <laughs> so so we usually take it pretty serious. Uh, no matter who we're playing but it's fun there's usually we we get a pretty good turnout there there's there's upwards of like 40 people out there and we'll split up into teams um and just play winter stays like till everyone gets tired pretty much
0: that's badass dude that's it's yeah, super it's, it's, it's super awesome. fun to hear it's super fun to hear about pickup stories and I, I especially like it when people talk about like not the clash of cultures but like when cultures come together and yeah, yeah it, it gets super competitive it's super funny to to hear about that and watch that
1: yeah, was, um, there's some Belgians and, uh, and French here too, um, as far as the European European uh, forces go. So they uh, they come out too quite a bit. Not as they're they're a little bit smaller um, presence here, but the Germans and Dutch are always out there, and it's it's pretty cool too because we share a lot of the same facilities. So I'll see them randomly, and it's nice to see people and have something in common other than i'm just here with a bunch of americans there's like you know so there's i don't know how many people are here that are american but there's like eight of us that actually play soccer so (laughs) so it's nice to get out and throughout the day see some other people that share that same uh common interest and are excited to get out and play uh in the evening so it's a good time
0: yeah um i want to kind of wrap things up with, with two questions or maybe, maybe not questions, but, um, I I want you to talk a little bit of like about the specifics of, of the project. And, and I don't think we've actually even said the name of it yet. So, um, if you could, if you could do that and then maybe tell people like how they can find more information and, and get involved if they want to, um, that would, and then I'll save my, my next question for, for after actually. So, uh, what is the actual project and how can people find more about it?
1: So the actual project is called the PASS Project, um, which PASS kind of loosely translates to um, basically using positivity, uh, using soccer as a vehicle for positive change, and the A's for ambassadors. So just uh, basically for us as a military and just as people, just to be good ambassadors of the sport. And then the two S's are sharing and support. um, Just being able to share our uh, resources to people who are underprivileged and um, be able to support them any way that we can and not necessarily, um, support them, uh, with material things, but just support them. Like I mentioned that we're, you know, we're all people and just to support them and and show that we're here and we care. Um, and I guess I actually, I crunched the numbers uh, for the past project today, uh, this morning. And so far, I guess it's gotten a little bit bigger than I realized. Um, with all the balls, which were just over 600 soccer balls that have been donated, um, which retail value it's upwards of like eighteen thousand dollars in soccer balls alone, um, plus all the donated goods. I think I'm over a little over twenty five hundred dollars worth of personal hygiene items, um, which is over a thousand items that have been donated, um, and then. Um, yeah, for people who want to get involved, it's pretty easy. Um, you can check me out on Instagram at The Past Project. Uh, you can send me an email at CurtisPassproject at gmail.com. And uh, we can talk about uh, ways to get involved and ways to help. Basically, this project, for the most part, is wrapping up as we finish up the court uh, renovations. But I plan on bringing this thing back home and tackling some some local causes um when i get back stateside so whatever it is that people are wanting to get involved with it's definitely not too late um because i'm definitely looking to keep the ball rolling when i when i get home so
0: that's awesome man um and i'll i'll make sure i link to the instagram account cuz i really like the pictures and stuff that you're posting on there especially the the logo the tattoo logo the Cause that's totally the style that I have up and down my arm right now too. So nice. I might even end up with a, with a new tattoo <laughs> out of this thing. Yeah, that, um, that was pretty
1: cool. Actually, my, uh, so the design, the logo actually came about pretty, pretty cool. Um, my, a buddy of mine, who's a tattoo artist, awesome tattoo artist in Cincinnati. He's actually a prior military as well and prior collegiate soccer player. So when the whole thing came about, he's like, do you have a logo? And I'm like, no, not yet. I've kind of been kicking around some designs. And he's like, why don't we do? You know, you're pretty tattooed. Obviously we share that bond. We share the soccer bond. Why don't you let me come up with something that would uh you know, like put your personality into it and put a face or put put a put a logo to, to the organization and that's what he came up with. And so I was like sweet. Couldn't couldn't be more stuck about it, so it's pretty sweet.
0: No, it's pretty cool, man. I, I made the unfortunate mistake of going with an ex-girlfriend to get tattooed one time and I ended up walking out of there with a with a soccer ball because I was just jealous that I, I wasn't getting t- tattooed. So I got like this little itty bitty soccer ball tattooed on my wrist. But it's like the old school <laughs> style soccer ball that's, you know, in, in your logo too. It's the the same style, right? But people c- yeah kept thinking that it was a volleyball and so people would come up and ask me all the time hey like you play volleyball do you play beach or indoor I'm like Jesus Christ I never <laughs> knew there were so many volleyball players and so I finally ended that's up having amazing. to go get, get it covered up so now I'm looking I'm, I'm looking for another soccer tattoo hopefully soon that's amazing <laughs> um, hey so I want to I want to end with this this question I've been asking a lot of people lately and I I feel like you can you can provide uh, just a different perspective or, or, or a, a different take on the answer. So, uh, or, or the question, sorry. Um, so the question is, is what do people need to know? And I'm going to end it right there and, and, and see how you take it and run with it.
1: What do people need to know? Um, I think, uh, in the broad sense, people just need to know that, that, um, that's more than a game and that it can, really change people's lives in, in positive ways. Um, I mean, for me alone, just, just this project has connected me to so many different cultures and so many different people and led me down some pretty interesting roads. So, so I think that, um, the number one takeaway is that people just need to know that, that it's not just a game. It's not just signing your kids up and, and take them to practice a couple times a week, because you never know what, what those kids are really getting out of it. Um, there's, there's so much more value in it than, than just get them, giving them a, a sport to play that's such a creative out, out outlet um, and yeah the, the roads that it can lead you down are just are kind of a it's really unfathomable to, to me to, to think about like where where the game has taken me um, and the, the situations that it's put me in so I think that's the that's the biggest thing to me is just that people need to know that that there's more to it than just uh, than it just being a game.
0: So. That's a that's a beautiful answer. I couldn't have asked for for anything better because we we constantly say that here in the United States, and, and people try to uh, you know pigeonhole it as being you know just this recreational activity or exercise for their kids or just a sport. It's like no, there's so much more in involved and and when you get a chance to do what you've done and, and travel the world and see it uh in a different way I think it really really starts to hit home as well I'm not saying that you didn't feel that way before you left but I think when you when you get a chance to travel and, and see the game and what it means to kids or, or people all around the world that it's you know just it gives you a completely different perspective and and I'm I'm glad that oh, yeah. that you decided to share that as well
1: yeah absolutely yeah it's uh it's, it's been wild. It's, it's really, it's humbling. Um, you know, I, like I've been doing this for four months now and it just gets, seems to get more and more exciting. And it just, it's kind of, it's kind of what's getting me through this whole deployment thing and making time <laughs> fly by. So it's, it's been awesome.
0: That's cool, man. Well, I, I appreciate your time and I appreciate your effort over there and, and your service. And, um, and I appreciate you just being an advocate for the game as well. We, we, we uh we'll get this out there to the people and and hopefully when you when you get back home as well that we can continue to support and and just grow the game in in different ways man
1: awesome i i appreciate you having me um it's been fun and uh thanks for uh yeah just thanks for having me on
0: Thank you to Curtis Jones from The Pass Project for coming on and sharing a little bit of his story and what he's up to while being deployed overseas. Well, it's quite amazing actually to think that, uh, that he can actually find time to, to do such a cool project and I totally respect that. So if you want to connect with Curtis, again, you can find links to his Instagram and to his email by visiting 343coaching.com that's 343coaching all spelled out .com. and while you're there you can find information about the programs that we offer and the programs that actually fund and support this podcast that you're listening to right now so if you like this podcast maybe you can check out one of our programs And here's Colton Bly, one of our 343 Premium members, to talk about his experience with the 343 Coaching Program.
2: Like, you have to, if you want them to adopt a behavior, adapt a behavior, you have to rehearse and you have to choreograph. And when like I said, when I first heard that from from Brian Brian in the introductory course, I'm like, that makes so much sense. Seeing his, uh, at the time, Chivas players doing their building out of the back choreography, and then all of a sudden that changing to a game clip where they are doing that and they are having success and they are able to you know break lines into the midfield or pull the opponent out of shape, whatever, it works. And that's one thing that I've taken, and not just in the form of building out of the back, but also in the attacking patterns, and even in the defensive moment of the game, uh, running through... Rehearse movements on how our how we press when we're defending in the attacking third, or how we defend as a block, and where all players need to be to keep our you know horizontal and vertical compactness in the mid in the middle third of the field when we're defending. So the benefits of rehearsing these things is huge you see it translate to the game and it helps your team
0: to find out more about the program that colton Bly is a part of you can visit 343 coaching.com that's the numbers 343 coaching all spelled out.com all right until next time good luck on the fields and we will catch you guys on the next episode of the 343 podcast thank you for listening